Often respected podcast hosts Scott Corelli and Nick Jimenez met online in 2006 and began podcasting together shortly thereafter, discovered Star Wars Minute in 2014 and launched a Movies by Minute podcast of their own a year later, focused on the Back to the Future trilogy, completing it less than three years later with 340 episodes about the films themselves and five about the Universal Studios theme park attraction from the early 1990s. Received over 100 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, in early 2018 completed 95 episodes Episodes of the Cornetto Minute, dedicated to the Edgar Wright-directed comedy trilogy starting with 2004's Shaun of the Dead, one minute at a time. The show is nowhere near as popular with only four reviews on Apple Podcasts and has been on hiatus ever since. Hey, Scott, how's the hiatus? Well, I haven't been on hiatus. Not exactly. That's right. You've been working on that little side project, Spider or something. Spider-Man Minute. I don't know if I'd call it a side project exactly. I would. You know, I'm surprised you didn't take a break after last season of Cornetto Minute. That's what I did. I prefer to take my breaks behind the mic. Indeed you do. And that's why it's high time such skills were put to better use on Cornetto Minute Season 2. I'm sorry? Hot fuzz. You want us to cover every minute of Hot Fuzz? Yes, lovely. Isn't there a weekly podcast we could do? Oh, no. Can I just stay on hiatus then? No. Do I have any choice in this? No. But I kind of like being on hiatus. You always said you wanted to cover Hot Fuzz one minute at a time. I don't remember telling you that. Yes, you did. You said, I'd love to cover Hot Fuzz one minute at a time someday, Zach. <sighs> Fine, but there's no way we can perpetuate the amount of carnage and mayhem in every minute of Hot Fuzz and not incur a considerable amount of podcasting. 115 daily episodes? Not a problem. The Cornetto Minute returns to investigate the gunfights, car chases, and proper action of Sanford's finest one minute at a time. It's about to go off with Edgar Wright's Hot Fuzz this November at DuelingGenre.com for the greater good. For the greater good. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, and welcome to the Cornetto Minute, uh, the soon-to-be daily podcast where we will review and discuss every aspect of uh, Edgar Wright's 2007 action horror comedy, Hot Fuzz, one minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. And uh, today on the show, we will not be talking about Hot Fuzz. We will be continuing our series into uh, our, our, our series of films inspired by Hot Fuzz. Uh, we've done bad boys 2 uh last boy scout mm -hmm. uh, but now we're taking a, a, a different uh, we're, we're, we're uh, uh, examining the other side of the coin uh in terms of like influences we've done action and now we're doing horror with uh the 1973 british mystery horror film the wicker man directed by robin hardy right however uh directed by robin howard howard uh hardy but is introduced in the opening credits as Anthony Schaefer's The Wicker Man. 
yes. Which I looked it up and I was like, oh, it must be the book that it's based on. No, the the movie's based on a book called Ritual by David Pinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I looked up Anthony Schaefer and I was like, well, he must be a very well-known writer. And then I was like looking at the stuff that he had done and um, I don't know, man, it's not particularly like a lot of stuff I've heard of. Uh, and then I saw some things like um, he wrote the Murder on the Orient Express and Death of the Nile movies, but those were both after The Wicker Man so I don't know who this guy was and why he was getting top billing on this movie as a writer, but it's weird. Right. It'd be like going to see Oliver Daly's. Oh, wait, never mind. I was about to make a joke about Axel, the movie Axel that just came out, but that movie has the same. It's made by a writer director. Oh, yeah. Uh, Touche, yeah. Oliver Daly. <laughs> yeah. Can't dunk on you on this day. <laughs> Yes, I don't yeah, know. That, it's weird, right? Man, weird. do you think do you think he just had like a hell of an agent? How do you think he finagled that? I have no idea. I just well, don't. this is a this is a big time. Uh, he sounds so American. This is a big time cult movie. Uh, I you know this seems like the kind of movie that is warranted a uh, really thorough examination. I wouldn't be surprised if that has like an interesting anecdote behind it. Maybe yeah. one of our listeners are know know about it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, let us know. Like, what's what's his deal? Is he like a big time playwright or something? And I'm just not yeah. aware of his stuff. I don't know. What do you like? A, what is like a big deal or something? Is he some kind of big deal? Big man? Big shot? <laughs> Thinks he's better than us? <laughs> um, Anthony Schaefer's The Wicker Man. Uh, he didn't even write the book it's based on. That's so silly. Um, yeah. It's like Wouldn't it's it be- like calling it. It's like calling. Uh, it's like calling it Steve Cloves, Harry Potter, and the Sorcerer's Stone. Right. Like what? Like, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's a bit of a stretch whenever you go to the movies and it's like from the producers of Harry Potter, like chill. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so again, uh, yeah. Continuing our hiatus specials, uh, in the tradition of our past hiatus specials this is another movie i had never seen before and uh scott i also have never seen this version of the wicker man oh okay oh this version oh i am i'm very familiar with the uh 2006 wicker man uh yeah like ahab is to the whale i had to review that back in my days as uh as nick Amena's teen ace film critic for, <laughs> for the <laughs> for the mansfield news mirror uh oh man it was was not a, it was a, it was i mean i was there at ground zero it, there weren't any memes yet you know like mm-hmm. i this guy really punched that little girl on a dress as a bear <laughs> oh man uh yeah and they changed the whole thing right it's not like uh it's not pagan anymore right it's like yeah well it's 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 very granted i haven't seen it a lot since um, but it, it's set, it set on an island in the Pacific Northwest near Washington, mm. uh, the Evergreen State. And if I remember correctly, it was kind of like nebulous because I feel like the cult and one of the things I really liked about this version that I saw for the first time today uh, is it, the, the, the cult or the society felt much more uh, specific or much more defined mm. and I speaking, you know, seeing speaking as an American, I wonder how much of that had to do with it's, uh, you know, like what what the culture of this, you know, like, is this something that had been kind of was this kind of like a satanic panic thing uh, or like a fear of 
people from other islands of in this you know in the UK? I don't know. I I don't think so. I think uh, okay. from the little bit that I was reading, um, Anthony Schaefer and Robin Hardy did like a bunch of research into paganism because they wanted to. I guess they were both atheists, and so they were wanting to point out how ridiculous Christianity is. By right, like you have a hero who is firmly planted in his beliefs and have them rattled. Well, not just rattled, but like literally he's like, you guys are all insane. And then and they're basically looking at him and being like, yeah, but what about you? Like you're just yeah, as insane. Like, yeah. And, th- yeah. That, and that's kind of uh, – especially when we uh, – not to jump around too much, but Christopher Lee's character. Right. Uh, he's he's particularly like, oh, you think of me as a heathen. <laughs> right. <laughs> think about you. Um, it's – uh yeah, so I don't I don't um yeah, I don't think it was like a satanic panic type of uh situation. Um but the uh the remake uh my understanding of the remake is that it was a uh uh what is that the society a, a type of society that's run by women. Um, oh yeah, well that, that's the other thing is uh yeah, like in the in the Wicker Man I feel like they made a much bigger deal out of that aspect of it, at least I remember. Well, like, I, I don't, don't remember there being a lot of yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, what I was gonna say is like that. Well, he completely changed it. Like it's not. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, from what I understand, rather than paganism, they made it like a. Uh, he made it like a anti-feminist thing. Um, right. Yeah. Which because, is probably what you know the sharp blood in the water for Neil Butte. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, because there's like the whole thing where like all the women are chanting, kill the drone, kill the drone, because he's a man. Right. Queens. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, and, and just anyway. to clear, I guess when I I guess when I said uh, satanic panic, you know, like it, it's kind of like we have a habit of making horror movies about what's scaring us in the day, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you know, there's a great movie uh, from like the 2000s, like uh, called Eden Lake with Michael Fassbender. And it's it was kind of, it was part of this subgenre called hoodie horror. Uh, I'm speaking really out of my uh, zone of depth here, but uh, but yeah, it was kind of like commenting on this kind of rise of uh, fear of uh, you know urban youth or you know. And I, I guess I was like watching Wickerman, like I wonder if this was a thing that was going on at the time, like <laughs> yeah, uh, the, these weird cultures or weird cults that might be like celebrating or still practicing paganism. Right, right, right. But what I what I was saying was like I don't think so because they had to do a bunch of research to like uh, create okay. this world. Like it wasn't okay. It was like red state. No, no. Um, yeah, I mean that bit at the beginning, the the sort of like thanks to this island for sh- yeah, it was kind of like pretending a, it's like a, a documentary. Texas, <laughs> yeah, like almost like a Texas Chainsaw kind of move. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was weird. Or uh, Spinal Tap. Yeah. There's also like I guess like 15 different cuts of this movie because the original cut is 99 minutes and uh, has a has an opening that was cut before it was theatrically released and uh, I'm not sure if that version of the movie exists at all but the original version of the movie had a um, had a bit at the beginning where he's on the mainland and we see him interacting with. Uh, his fellow police officers and they all sort of gossip about him about how he's never had sex before and you know if he just get laid he wouldn't be so uptight and uh that whole thing and it and it sort of goes a long way of explaining that like no one's gonna miss him when he's gone 
like because they don't no. really like him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very similar to our uh, our our hero um, Nicholas Angel in a way. Oh yeah, no, without a doubt, this more so than Point Break, more so than Bad Boys Dose. Uh, the, the, I, I think this movie, which is funny because like I, I saw this for the first time, but like was like wow, like uh, did not realize how much Hot Fuzz owed itself to mm-hmm. um, so much of this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, and and of course features uh, uh, the head of the NWA, Edward Woodward. As our yes. uh, as our main protagonist in this film, yeah, so and, Sergeant Neil Howie, right? And the whole time I was watching this, I just, I just, I just every time he was like yelling about stuff, he's like, you know, the, yeah. the pagan this and come oh, to Jesus, your senses, Je- yeah, Jesus this, and and I just wanted to be like, you're all crusty jugglers, <laughs> mindless violence. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's funny. We, you know, we bring up Edward Woodward, and it it finally dawned on me uh so ever since the back to the future minute days scott and i kind of had this loose agreement to where research wise he covered behind the camera i covered in front of the camera Mm -hmm. and boy howdy do i have a wealth of research to do for this cast oh yeah i'm sure i will say this before we get into anything else because i read about this and i just think it is i just have so many questions about why this was necessary Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, the character Willow McGregor, the the yes. the um, uh, the landlord's the, daughter. Yeah, the landlord's daughter, the innkeeper's daughter, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so played by Britt Eklund yes. uh, in the movie when she is clothed. Um, however, her voice is dubbed by Annie Ross. And her singing voice is dubbed by Rachel Verney. And then all of her nude bits were body doubles because she was three months pregnant and two different body doubles, one for the top and one for the bottom. And yeah, like Snuffleupagus or like or, 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 or Mas Kanata. You know how like Mas Kanata is. <laughs> yes, the soul of Mas Kanata is Lupita Nyong'o. But there's also like a whole team of artists and designers and technicians that bring Mas Kanata to life. So it yeah. is. So it is with Willa McGregor. It's just such a weird because, like, I guess Britt Eklund um, had like a very thick, uh, very thick Swedish accent. Yes. Um, and so they had to dub her. But it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, was all of that really necessary? There was no other actress that you could get that could do all of those things. Like, do you have to hire? five people to play one character <laughs> yeah you know it, it it's something that i'm i'm really interested to see you know if it's a problem i'm ever lucky enough to have you know mm-hmm. of like casting it seems like it's just such a but yeah no i i, I totally it, it, it is interesting there's even that this one scene that will i was actually a fan of the scene in the movie i thought it was we'll, we'll talk about the themes in the movie but yeah like there's a part where you can clearly see that it's like another woman's face like during like a dance scene mm-hmm. yeah and it, yeah, the whole movie does feel like, I don't know, in kind of a cool way, you know, in, in the same canon of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. you know, like Peter Jackson tells these, tells these stories about how he, it felt like he was watching something illegal because it was illegal in, like, New Zealand. And, like, I think there was, like, a, 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 a feeling of that cult films had where it, it felt kind of stitched together. It felt like you were holding something that had been preserved 
maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and like mm-hmm. watching this movie, it still kind of has that feeling because it is, there are so many stitches and edits and, and, and kind of eccentricities to it. You all, I mean, eccentricities, yes, for sure, because I was, <laughs> I was, I, I, I can tell you this, of all the things that I've heard about The Wicker Man, I never once has anyone told me that the movie was a musical. Uh, yeah, good job, guys. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks. no one told me this movie was a musical. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> the Wicker, like, is this the only, until um, Anna and the Apocalypse opens this Christmas, is this the only horror musical or... Um, well, I mean, you got you got you got uh, you got Repo. Oh yeah, I guess you got opera. Repo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got your Rocky Horror. It's in the right. title. Well, hello. I don't know about uh, that. <laughs> sure. I, I don't know if uh, I'm going to give you that one. <laughs> uh, you're right, though. Uh, would you consider, you know, one, uh, would you consider Once More with Feeling to be? There's some scary parts. That man explodes yeah. from dancing. Oh yeah, I guess that's technically uh, that's a horror musical. Um, I mean, if if Anna and the Apocalypse is a horror musical, then that is. But I I will say that this is like one of the only dramas, right? Because even Repo is a comedy. Yes, definitely. Right? No, I love it. I yeah. I loved all of the musical number. You know, and it really just spoke to, you know, something that uh, Scott and I talk about a lot, listeners. When when we talk about movies, is there's kind of like a you know, we're not really big fans of like uh, people demanding a movie to like make perfect sense or yeah. be like be completely flawless and run like an engine, you know, mm. and and or, you know, what I mean? yeah, that, that 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 last thing is a bit not so true because we like, you know, form and stuff being tight, but whatever. Uh, but like, yeah. I just feel like so much of this, if it happened today, if Wicker Man 73 came out today. There would just be all these friggin' YouTube videos about like, well, why was there so much singing? Like, or why was there a maypole dance? And it's because it's weird. Because and- <laughs> it's weird and that makes it creepy. They're too happy. It's weird. Yeah. Or like, or yeah, yeah. Like, and this, uh, this movement of like, oh, because it's goofy, it must therefore be dumb. Or because it's bright and weird, therefore it's not smart. It's not- I, I kind of wonder if that wasn't the you know the the remake if the purpose of the remake was just like labute being like well i always liked the wicker man but uh the thing i hated about it was all the singing and the blah blah blah. so i'm just gonna make it a straight yeah straight movie it's gonna be super straight so straight i look at the wicker man and i see the story of a poor man catfished by a wicked wicked woman (laughs) yes using using her own flesh and blood as a tool (laughs) <laughs> oh, and he, if if you guys don't know Neil LeBute, look him up. He's the worst. Um, anyway, uh, and I've I've been in a, I've, I've been, I did a show with his. I got to I lived his his word. Yeah, uh, I sound like I sound like a wicker man. Which yeah. is interesting because all he does is live other people's words. Uh, when he directs films, he just remakes yeah, his filmography films. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the most interesting. He he directed the uh, the American remake of Death at a Funeral. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, but no, I I I loved all of the the imagery and just the the kind of just jarring him. Like, and I, I think Edward Woodward is is a perfect protagonist. Of oh, he's so great, good, just, and and you can absolutely tell that Simon Pegg is basing Nicholas Angel off of him in a bunch of scenes. Yes. Yeah, I'm so. So I, I, I'm so grateful that this movie really added a lot to Hot Fuzz for me. 
mm-hmm. uh, like a new level of appreciation of yeah of Nicholas Angel of Edward Woodward in Hot Fuzz specifically mm-hmm. you know oh yeah yeah for sure um, and just the yeah and just the feeling of is he which one does uh, is that Edward Woodward Woodward in Hot Fuzz is he the head of the NWA or is he the 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 priest which one he, is he is i can't wait until i have this memorized <laughs> uh he plays tom weaver who is the professor he's credited as professor tom weaver the reverend philip shooter is played by paul freeman oh okay so yeah he's the head of the nwa the crusty juggler i guy. that's yeah i think yeah. i think we both misquoted his character earlier and that's what confused us well, I Listeners said, are, I said, I said, crusty jugglers, but then you said the mindless the, violence, which is the reverend, which is the reverend, and I was like, oh wait, am I wrong? <laughs> but no, no, I was wrong. Okay, listeners, yeah. we're learning. <laughs> we haven't started breaking down the movie minute at a time yet. Um, yeah, he's the he's the end, the head of the NWA, crusty jugglers. We'll be crusty up jugglers. to our necks in crusty jugglers. <laughs> yes, yes. And there Good. were some jugglers at the May at the May Day parade. <laughs> there's a May Day festival there were I think the my biggest surprise other than other than um Neil Howey who is uh, really just a great character and mm-hmm. um the way that he sort of interacts with he just has like a general attitude through the whole movie of just like exasperated what the fuckery like just yeah y- yeah, like, I mean, not not oh to God, not to cross is... cross the streams, but he's he's a. Uh, I can see this happening to the brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. Oh yes! Oh my God! If the brigadier was in this, holy shit! What are you doing? Scope having sex. <laughs> just constantly, just being like, "What the fuck?" Um, uh, when the like when the bar up. when the pub breaks out into song about about fucking the landlord's daughter, yeah, like and he's over just the like, garden what wall. the fuck is happening? Yeah, he like bangs, he like bangs on the bar top, and he's like, "This, I am here to investigate a murder. Why are I'm you all so happy? <laughs> Cease your joy immediately." Yeah. And it's and it's great because you. At least me as the audience, you know, I'm so grateful I had so little of this movie and really been spoiled for me in terms of like, you know, you're, you you kind of already feel like you've seen The Breakfast Club if you haven't seen The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you're I felt like I was right there with uh, Edward Woodward in terms of like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on? And it was yeah, yeah. just such great horror filmmaking that, mm-hmm. you know, it reminded me a lot of, uh, of Lord of Salem, mm-hmm. Lords of Salem. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is actually my favorite Rob Zombie movie. Um, really, I haven't watched that one. That's on. It's on Shutter though. So I was thinking about uh, it's, giving it's it a shot. It's great. I mean, ha- hats off to him. It really is is him doing something different, and it, and it owes a lot in my mind to like yeah stuff like The Shining and The Wicker Man, like this mm. much more cerebral, surrealist horror. You know, I will say one thing about this movie because there there's um there's a couple of bits in here that uh, I'm not. I don't love uh, from a directorial standpoint um, the opening just being like long drawn out shots of him flying to the island is <laughs> yeah it's yeah. just oh, over over like you know like seventies folk yeah. music or the something greatest adventure <laughs> yeah. it's it's uh, super weird um, it's very seventies yeah I don't I don't love that uh, I don't love a lot of the um, the non, uh, I guess, yeah, the non-diegetic music 
I don't I don't love <laughs> that. Sure, the, um, the 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 needle drops. Yeah, the needle drops I don't love. Uh and then there's the scene with Willow's song um where she's mm-hmm. where she has her uh nude body doubles and all of that um where she's just she's singing like the, yeah. naked trying to seduce um Neil Howie who is a virgin in the movie because he doesn't believe in mm-hmm. sex before marriage because he's a uh very uh <laughs> very strict Christian. Sure, um, he went to a lot of DC talk. Yeah. As a kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh so uh that that bit his reaction to her song of seduction felt very stagey to me, not mm. not like a movie. It didn't feel cinematic. It felt like theatrical. very theatrical where like yeah, I could see the stage setup where they have like two rooms with a wall between them and he she's like dancing around on one side of the wall trying to seduce him and he keeps like walking up to the door and like being like very dramatic and I can't, I'm a Christian, you know, like, yeah, it, you know, and it, 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 it's a bummer because oh, no, finish please. Well, yeah, yeah. So I was just going to say, it just, it just feels very theatrical uh, for, for that reason, because it just, it just doesn't, it took me a little bit out of it. Um, and it wasn't yeah. her singing. It was just his reaction. And I don't blame Edward Waterward because he's so subtle. The rest of the movie that mm-hmm. it it feels like a, a direction problem to me, and you know we it, it, it's a bummer because now looking back and having now seen the original Wicker Man, looking back on on Neil Abutes Wicker Man, Neil Abutes Wicker Man, <laughs> uh, official title is like you can kind of remaking remaking the Wicker Man isn't a bad idea. There mm-hmm. there is a way you know we have the we have the Suspiria remake coming out in a few weeks that that I'm really excited about. We have mm-hmm. this Halloween sequel reboot. That we're not we're not a reboot at all, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just like God. Yeah, like stuff like the dance and stuff like the music. I could see really, you know, another vision, another another project that really being something cool in a modern context. Yeah, or you know, just the idea of like one form of fundamental fundamentalism going up against another form of fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. I think um, I think it would be. Uh, well, the, the thing that I was struck by while watching this was that I was, I was really, um, it reminded me of like some of the best Alfred Hitchcock movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, man, I wish, I wish he had directed this. Like, I wish this was an Alfred Hitchcock movie, like one of his like later ones. Cause like the, the saddest part about Alfred Hitchcock's career is that um, he was very abusive toward toward his female actresses. But the second yeah. most, <laughs> the second saddest part about his uh, career as a filmmaker was that after The Birds, like nothing he directed really mattered in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of cinema. I think The Birds sure. was sort of like his last big uh, stamp on uh, yeah, culture. We're not really holding like retrospectives on the family plot. Right, right. Um, it would have been cool for them to have given him this because it would have been right. different enough from his other stuff, but still feels genuinely like Hitchcockian. Um, this could have been like his eyes wide shut. Yeah. Weird with it. Oh, yeah, for sure. One where he gets all freaky naughty. <laughs> I think I think so. Uh, I, I mean, I really I genuinely think this could have been 
Um, you know, and not to say that it isn't a classic, but I just think that it would have had a much a larger notoriety at the time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, because it cost half a million to make, but it only made uh, $58,000 at the box office. Sure. You, uh, not to throw you on the spot, but I, I wonder if that was a cocktail of its, you know, I wonder if its release was limited due to the sex, due to the nudity. Uh, 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 apparently not because oh, right uh, a lot of it was cut out for the British uh. theatrical run. Um, and they actually tried to get Roger Corman to release the Wicker Man in America with, um, Hardy's original cut with the, the 99 minute cut. Uh, but gotcha. he wasn't interested because yeah. it was, uh, uh, it's not, it's too smart. It's, it's too smart of a movie for Roger Corman. And that's another, uh, and that's another thing that surprised me hitting play was it's a lean movie. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. In and out. Yeah. Oh, for, well actually it's all, it's all just in. Um, we don't get any, we don't get any out. There's nothing out. Uh, you, you can check out anytime you like. I can't, I can't, you th I can't do Christopher Lee. <laughs> that sucks. Well, and you know what though? Christopher Lee in this oh, movie, yeah. I was really impressed with because I've always seen Christopher Lee in roles where he's kind of samey. He's doing Christopher Lee, you know, like he's already, he, he's, he's kind of like, uh, it's like, you know, towards the end when they would just like Whitney Houston would come out and everyone would just be so happy that it, that she was even there. Right. Right. It's very much he, he sort of became like Stan Lee is in a way where sure. it's just or like, like Vincent Price. Sure. A few years. Absolutely. Yeah. Because he was just like, you know, the line between Count Dooku and uh, what's his name? Sauron? Sauron? Saruman. Saruman. Right. Um, or Saruman of many colors. Right. Uh, you know, the difference between those two characters is, um, a beard. Uh, that's pretty much, no, no, not even that long hair. <laughs> I think that's it. I actually, um, I actually think he's, this is a, not a, not no one's favorite movie and it gets a lot of, gets a lot of, um, flack online, but I think he's really good in Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as, as, as Wonka senior. He is good in that, but again, he's still playing like Count Dooku, Saruman, just yeah. as a dentist. Yeah, yeah, you're um, right. It was it was really cool seeing like a young hungry or no, already very established in the horror actually, but like, you know, yeah, playing a character. Yeah, he was like subtle and like there was there was bits in the um conversation like later when he's uh getting very monologue-y about what they're about to do to Neil Howie. Um he goes he kind of slips back into that hammer horror Christopher Lee, but when mm -hmm. you first meet him in his office or whatever, He's just like, uh, he's just a guy. Like, he's yeah, just... you know, it. You, you hear, you hear so much wonderful things, so many wonderful things about him in life. Like, what a smooth operator he was. And it was like, oh yeah, you get, you get to see him play a character that caters to that side of him. This comforting, yeah, like patriarchal presence. Right. No, it was, it was, it was really. Uh, I don't know. It was fun seeing him in a role like this. It's so different. Yeah. Is um is what's the Hammer Horror selection like on Shutter? I don't know. I don't know. I've never looked into that. But I've I would like to just like deep I, dive into that. Oh yeah, for sure. I would love to see. Um, let it, let us let us know on the the Cornetto group or on Twitter or whatever. Um, 
if uh, if you have like a favorite um, Christopher Lee hammer horror or just like a favorite hammer horror film or a favorite like Christopher Lee Dracula film, uh, I'd like to watch some of that for yeah. uh, for I, Halloween this year. And it's really starting to make sense to me why every time I watch Hot Fuzz from beginning to end, not minute to minute like a maniac like I'm about to, but you know, normally uh, you, you, you are so breathless by the end of it. You know, I'm so overwhelmed when Hot Fuzz ends. And I'm starting to understand it. It's it. There's two whole movies in here. Mm-hmm. It it as much as it feels like a complete homage, send up, love letter to action movies. Now, having watched Wicker Man, it feels as much about this sort of like straw dogs, seventies horror love letter. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really interesting. It's almost as if um, the like the concept of hot fuzz, like the idea, you know, the basis being like there hasn't been a a quote unquote badass British Bobby movie, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's been lots of like American like badass cop movies and they wanted to make one for uh, for England, for English people. And James Corden is badass British Bobby. Yeah. But the thing. Oh, God. Uh, but the, I think Hello, you just, everyone. Sorry. I think you just triggered a bunch of our British listeners. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I think that people hate that guy in England. Um, well, they've had him for a lot longer than we have. That's true. That is very true. Um, but uh, anyway, the. It seems that they were like, well, who, what, what badass British cops do we have? And they really, I think they just went back to Neil Howie and they were just like, I mean, it's kind of just him, right? Like he was, this is like England's version of a badass where he's slightly less polite than a normal person. (laughs) You're all liars. All of you. And you're worst of all. (laughs) Put your faith in Christ, Jesus. <laughs> what a badass. <laughs> Look, son, that's a man's death. <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, also known to American audiences as uh, the original Robert McCall, the equalizer. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Um, interesting. Another. Is the equalizer a cop? What's his deal? I've never well, the equalizer's thing was he... Well, and I mean, in the Denzel version, he was like a former black ops special guy. I don't know. And now he just uh, he roams the earth doing good deeds, uh, helping people what need helping. Oh, uh, oh, and, he equalizes and, if there's yeah. if there's a problem where things seem to be unfairly uh, set up. He is the equalizer. I get it. Yeah, okay. he brings he, he brings the world. He, he set he sets it right, Scott. <laughs> Okay. Oh man. Um what was the original pitch for it, the equalizer then? Oh, like the TV show. Yeah. Edward Woodward's uh, uh the equalizer. Yeah, Edward Woodward's the equalizer. <laughs> Ted Danson's Becker. <laughs> you know, I'm actually not familiar at all. I mean I'm even less familiar with the Equalizer show than I am like the A Team, which I, I think I've seen like I think he was like, yeah, I think he worked for a company. It oh. was like a and he was like I, I just know that he didn't he didn't charge. It was like if you needed help, if your if your like kid was missing or like if your boss was like selling cocaine, I don't know. <laughs> he would 
he would help you for free. You wouldn't have to. You wouldn't, you wouldn't pay him. You would give him something cool. Like if you were if you were like a baker, you would give him like some bread. He would smile at you like, all right, I got you. Hmm. That's Denzel. Um, four four seasons on CBS. Wow. Yeah. No, I think it was a. I think it was a real hit. I, I see it referenced all the time in movies. I think there's like I can think of a, a couple movies where they're watching. I think maybe in Goodfellas, he's watching the Equalizer. Mm. Uh, Anyway, I feel like there's a crime movie where someone's like on the phone with someone while the equalizer's playing. Listeners, help us out. <laughs> um, yeah, so this movie, I mean, I, overall, I just want to say that I, uh, I just, I really like this. This is probably my favorite of the four that we watched for our hiatus specials. Yeah, you know, it really, it maybe because we're just heading into Halloween season, so that's where I'm at, anyways. But I'm way more into. Going into the pot, going into the show proper now, I'm, I'm much more excited by Hot Fuzz, the secret horror movie, than Hot Fuzz, the action movie. Yeah, I I think I am too, um, for sure. Uh, I don't, because you know, it's because it's so because like so much of the and it, it, it's it's pitch perfect and it's so funny looking at it like ten years back now, but it's a it's perfect spoofing of like of of like Nicholas being creeped out by everyone like what did you say like just like all the the tension is still there but it's not played for laughs it's great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um the end of this movie is i mean they really much like uh much like uh howie himself um they really drag us kicking and screaming through his death much like nicholas cage <laughs> well less said about him the better um but uh definitely i mean it is as soon as he sees the wicker man he just starts like screaming and freaking out yeah um, there's this kind of part where you think he's gonna because christopher lee's like i'm giving you a martyr's death it's great you'll get to sit next to your your, your priest or whatever christians do and you think for a second that that yeah, that how he's gonna be chill about it, but then as soon as he sees the wicker man, he's like, "Get me out! Get me out! Get me out!" The stupid guys, guys, for real, for real, this is murder. This is murder. This is like straight up murder, guys. Stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 like because yeah, you're right. Th- this character has been such a uh, a strong protagonist, a really man's man. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, slapping everything out of his way and being like, "I'll get to the bottom." And just to see him be completely helpless. You know, mm-hmm. e- even having already seen the the remake, I was like, yeah, this is really, really, I, I can see why this impacted a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, they put him in there and then they set it on fire and it's not like the fire goes up quickly. Like, yes, we yeah. just have to like wait inside the wicker man with him while the mm-hmm. fire catches up to him and the, the live animals that are in the wicker man's arms are burning to death and he's hearing their screams as he's just yeah. like praying to God and like cursing the Islanders, um, yeah, it's messed up. You, it's pretty messed it is. up. <laughs> and then it just ends. Yeah, and then it just the Wicker Man, like it sort of um, the, winks at you. Yeah, well, the camera just sort of uh, pans up toward the sun, and the uh, the Wicker Man's head sort of like collapses in on itself as he's burning alive and then uh reveals the sun and uh that's that horrifying yeah yeah 
totally horrifying. Uh, I will say I was, I was so, I was like, oh man, this is so like, this is so good. Like they're gonna, you know, she's not, um, she's not the sacrifice. She's the bait and you're wearing the, the costume of the fool. Like, oh man, that's such a good, I was like, wow, that's really <laughs> clever and great and subtle. And then they spend the next 20 minutes explaining exactly what was going on. <laughs> Right. Or they're like, you see, you were in the costume of the fool because you are a fool. And I was like, all Dick. right. Yeah, you just think they ruined all of the subtlety of it by just explaining it out loud. Um, but. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess is. Um, I don't know. Like, my, my instinct is, is to chalk that up to, like, the era in which it was made. But uh-huh. when was how old? What, what year did Halloween come out? Seventy six. Okay. No, no, seventy eight. Seventy eight. Because it's the fortieth anniversary this year. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Why did you ask that? Well, I don't know because like, I, I guess in terms of like what else was coming out at the time, were we still in that era of like writing that was much more kind of. God, I hate to sound like a young person, but like, you know, kind of on the nose or like drawing things out or saying things, spelling things out. Oh. And uh, Halloween is your metric for that? I don't know. I guess I was thinking of other seminal horror movies that maybe oh. were coming out at the time. But that was in prison. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. This was, uh, it was good. Like, I just, I liked the, the whole um, investigation. Like, I just liked him making his way through the town questioning people and then calling them liars i I love Mm -hmm. i love that he i love that the whole town is kind of truman showing him um right yeah like there is this sort of uh this you know pulling the wool over the eyes like that that is in retrospect like oh they've had him they've had his number this whole time Mm mm-hmm well, and even the even the bit because they 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 explain later that they needed him to be uh, strong in his beliefs, and they needed him to be a hero, and they needed him to be a virgin, uh, and uh, it was it's like the whole movie is sort of testing him. You know, and you just right. realized that they were doing it on purpose because they wanted to make sure that they got the right guy this time because last year they didn't get the right guy and their crop suffered. Yeah. Yeah. They're apples. Right. They're apples. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think that's I, I, th- I just I really liked how that was done. And it's, yeah, uh, it's, just, it's just great yeah. storytelling. Yeah. And creating a mood and then. Yeah. And, and, and like letting you stay with howie throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. even when you don't want to mm-hmm. it's it's great and you kind of feel his, his his claustrophobia setting in or when he just how isolated not just physically from everyone else but how isolated he is from everyone else in this community oh yeah of like yeah. oh these people don't subscribe to my beliefs that are everything to me right right it's yeah. kind of similar to uh, the villagers' uh, aversion to Angel's uh, agnosticism. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, kind of his whole deal. Uh, sure. 
<laughs> the, great, the greater good and all that. Your whole deal, Angel. <laughs> I don't like your whole deal. You ready for more of that? <laughs> America? America. Whole world. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, I mean, that's The Wicker Man. I don't know. Um, it's a very short movie. Uh, it's it's under ninety minutes. It's, it, like, I it think does it's, not overstay its welcome. Yeah, it's eighty-seven minutes long, so it's very short, um, but very perfect for very good. It's perfect for a Halloween double feature because it's so short. Mm-hmm. That's true. You can pair it with yeah. Anything. Did you know that uh, it was actually the B movie in a double feature with Don't Look Now? Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, Don't Look Now being one of Edgar Wright's favorite films of all time. Oh man, that's a great double bill. Yeah, it's in like his top five, and uh, what a double bill that would have been mm-hmm. to see that, and then this. Oh man, that's crazy. Uh, There's some great double features I've seen. I'm thinking there used to be have, a great. I haven't seen a lot of double features. Yeah, I've, 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 I've been, I've seen double features at a drive-in, but they're not good double features. Like I, right? It's, it's like a Disney movie and another Disney movie. Yeah, like I once saw um, uh, a double feature of Madagascar and Adam Sandler's The Longest Yard. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just a just a classic double feature there. Uh, I remember, I remember one one day, one night we saw uh, Fast Five followed by Bridesmaids, and I remember thinking, "This is about as good as life can get." <laughs> all men and then all women. Ah, one after the other. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> so weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh man, you know, Bridesmaids. Well, Bridesmaids feels like it came out a lot longer ago than Fast it, Five. Yes. So it's weird to me that you're like, yeah, I saw those the same day, and it's like, really? That's just because it it feels like the Fast. There's like a new Fast and the Furious movie every year to me because I don't watch any of them. So sure, they're all just blurring together for you, like right. like, like like Dominic Toretto stealing a car. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Bridesmaids like. I can barely remember the world before Melissa McCarthy's movie career. See, I see my, that's funny. When I think of bridesmaids now, along with like, holy shit, what a great funny movie. Yeah. Is like, I don't know. I feel like when bridesmaids came out, we were like, yes, more of these. And then like, we kind of didn't. Yeah. Or like we, we did like, you know, like, Oh, what's Kristen Wiig going to do next? And then she kind of took this really interesting turn where she started doing all these great indie movies or smaller, kind of smaller, weirder movies. Right. Uh, yeah, I just think yeah. that's so, and like... It was only Melissa few, McCarthy that went on to make more of those. Yeah, and movies. like in retrospect, in retrospect, I don't know if you watched that movie and you're like, oh, what a character. Or maybe you do, but I don't know. In retrospect, her character in Bridesmaids is so much more grounded mm-hmm. than like the boss or... Uh, oh, God, uh, I forgot about that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Love Bridesmaids. Yeah, but, I mean, Paul, Paul Feig had... I think enough, a lot to do with that, uh, grounding her. Cause she's pretty grounded in, um, in a spy as well. That's uh, very true. Which yeah. is very underrated. If you haven't seen spy, it's actually really good. Um, and, Fantastic. and I think almost to her detriment, she is a little too grounded in ghostbusters. Right. What an interesting, wow. What an interesting trilogy 
mm-hmm. characters mm-hmm. between like an actor and a director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she anyway. kind of like goes against type in, in, in both of them in terms of like the type set up in like Bridesmaids and uh, Tammy. Yeah. Yeah. This is McCarthy Minute. McCarthy Minute. Uh, God. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry for putting that out in the world. Um, nothing against Melissa McCarthy. I'm a big Gilmore Girls fan, but uh, she doesn't make good movies. That's the problem. Um, just in general. <laughs> sure. Just, yeah. I mean, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's really good in that St. Vincent movie with uh, Bill Murray's. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I didn't hear a lot about that movie. Sure, sure, sure. But uh, anyway, Celtic paganism. Who's to say? <laughs> maybe they're maybe they had really good crops. You don't know. Yeah, that's the that's the big question, right? Like that's kind of the point of the movie, is that it's like yeah, like the whole point of this movie is like religion is stupid because you don't know, you don't know, you can believe yeah. anything. It could be true. Doesn't you don't know. Yeah, and is and is and is burning someone alive inside of a giant wicker man any crazier than uh, never having sex ever before marriage? I mean, yes, it's what the, it's <laughs> what, uh, is what Christopher Lee is arguing. I think. <laughs> I think. I think. Yes, weird. one of those is absolutely crazier than the other one. <laughs> uh, but uh, I see. I see your point, um, and I see the sure, movie's but- point. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, I, this was great. I just really, I really liked it. I liked that it didn't have a, um, as unsubtle as the sort of, uh, plot monologuing toward the end was, uh, I, I appreciated the, like the, the ambiguous nature of the ending. Sure. It doesn't leave you with any, it doesn't leave the audience with any easy emotions or answers. Right. Right. Other than, wow, this sucks. Like it's. (laughs) <laughs> it's so weird because it's like if you take it at face value, it's like, well, dude, you got to die because otherwise their whole island is going to go to crap. I mean, that's that would suck. Right. All these people. Uh, but right, then yeah. if you take it at face value, it's like, well, you know, the sacrifice one guy for the, you know, whatever. He was kind of a jerk to them this whole time. Whatever. Um, maybe. OK, well, they catfished him a little. But what are you going to do? Um, and, then, but they were testing him and uh, whatever. Um, and, and then, uh, and, and Sergeant Howie even said about, you know, you, the fruit can't grow here. Right. Right. It's against the laws of nature. Right. And then the, uh, Your precious nature pagans. <laughs> and then the other perspective is just like, wow, that's, 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 uh, horrifying that uh, they murdered that poor Christian man, you know? Yeah, the poor, that poor God loving man. Oh, man. It's just, it's, it, but like no one saved him. He just died for nothing. Like, how, how sad that like, he died for nothing because they're not going to have crops because their <laughs> island sucks and there's no such thing as magic. Um, <laughs> like, it's just, it's just so, it, I just, I really, it's really, uh, sure. It's it's up. just this queasy know. it's just this queasy kaleidoscope. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, oh no, none of this is good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. None of it none which of is, it leaves you with a good feeling. Yeah, which is such a I, I find horror so fascinating mm-hmm. in that a movie like that and, and you know, a, a movie movies that you know that are so bleak and offer such at times, you know, nihilistic views of, of life and death and humanity. 
and yet can be so cathartic to watch mm-hmm. or therapeutic to watch. I mean, hereditary. That's what I was, was just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It was almost unbearably uh, bleak yeah. and, and offered no comfort. And yet it was one of the best times I've had at the movies this year. Oh, yeah. I just rewatched so, that uh, a few days ago. And, uh, you know, and it has a lot in common with this movie, honestly. Sure. Yeah. They cer- he, it, Hereditary certainly seems to be. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't read a lot of literature about it or interviews, but on the surface seems to owe a lot to this, that, this movement of 70s horror that we're talking about. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and that that particular movie is more about um, uh, is more about uh, mental illness than it is about religious beliefs. But it's, you know, it's still coming to sort of the same conclusion. Right. <laughs> about those things. Um, and. uh yeah, how how difficult they are to uh uh I don't know. Uh be tested on, I guess. Um I don't know. Like mm-hmm. like the 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 idea of like uh, hereditary is like you can't fight mental illness and that sucks. Like if it's in your family, like you can't fight it. Right. And 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 I guess like Wicker Man, oftentimes children are the the unwilling victims right. of the beliefs of their parents. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not to spoil um, too much about hereditary. Yeah, it's true. Um, no, I, I, yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. You could do, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing, uh, that director do a remake of Wicker Man. Oh man. Yeah. It's been 10 years, 10 years and change. Yeah. Since that <laughs> Nicolas Cage one. Um, yeah. Since, oh no, not the bees. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, not the bees. Why did he add that? God, that's so stupid. Um, Hey, in the moment, <laughs> That was the most honest thing he could say. Oh my God. No, no, I just mean, I just, I just mean, why did Labute add the bees thing to the thing? Like, oh, oh, you mean why did they add that to the ceremony? Yeah. yeah. In retrospect, the it it is it's such a two thousand thing that what they did was they just okay, we'll just take the scene where he gets dragged and we'll they'll just like do a bunch of gross stuff to him on the way, like <laughs> hobble his legs and put a basket of bees on his head for no reason. <laughs> Just to torture him, yeah. Uh, before burning him alive. Um, <laughs> great. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, this was good. This was this great. was really good, and I'm. Uh, it it definitely made me hungry for hot fuzz. Uh, more so oh, yeah. than probably any of the other movies we watched during this hiatus. Which uh, is such a great little twist. Yeah, I'm definitely ready. The other thing that this reminded me of uh, was. Um, Cabin in the Woods. Right. Yeah. Uh, just in the way of it, it it's it's slowly unraveling. Mm-hmm. Like something you think is a very simple story suddenly becoming a very a much deeper and you know more disturbing story. And and also uh, the fool being a virgin. Right. <laughs> was 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 Franz Cans or was Mar- was Marty a virgin in that movie? He, he was, that was, yeah, because that was the idea, was that they thought they killed the fool, but the reality was that he was the virgin, and that's why he oh, didn't right, die. Oh, right, because the girl, Kristen Connolly, was not a virgin. Spoiler right, for she, was, she was the fool. Um, Shout out to Cabin in the Woods Minute. Yeah, anyway, it's a, it's a good movie. Um, <laughs> has, a, has a weirdly a lot in common with The, the Wicker Man. Um, you know what, that would be a great, there's got to be a good article about how The Wicker Man is like, Ground zero for like horror or like everything like the, the, like like a like branches of a wicker tree. The mm. sequel, 
It's good. It's good. I like that. I think you've already halfway written it. Great. <laughs> My path is set. <laughs> Your path is set. Uh, and our path is set uh, to right. the premiere of uh, Hot Fuzz Minute. Uh, if you listen to dueling genre shows, you may have heard the uh, trailer for our new season. Um, that's out there. I might even just for funsies, I might I might put it on uh, this episode just in case you haven't heard it yet. Um, I might just put it on the top of this episode. Uh, so if you're like, why are they advertising the show that they're they're doing? Well, you've been wondering that this whole time, and now I just told you why. Um, just because right. you want to hear it. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to be launching in November with that. Um, this will be our, our final um, uh, inspiration movie hiatus special. But we do have one more hiatus special, which was promised a long time ago to, to you all. Uh, our next hiatus special for October, our next and final, will be the, uh, the documentary directed by Joe Cornish, uh, of the uh, the sort of uh, promotional American promotional tour of Hot Fuzz, um, which is on the uh, Hot Fuzz Blu-ray, um, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it before, it's a lot. Yeah, of fun. I'm, I'm very excited to. I probably haven't seen it in nine, ten years. Yeah. Oh man, it's so fun. Uh, I've watched it multiple times because I just I love it. Mm -hmm. It's just a really good time. Uh, so if you haven't uh, seen that, it's it's on your Hot Fuzz Blu-ray, if you have Hot Fuzz on Blu-ray. So uh, check that out. I don't know if it's online anywhere. It might be. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the name of the documentary is. Um, do you remember? Oh, man. Um, it has like a no. little, little clever title. For sure. And it was on the DVD that I own. I think it's the Fuzzball Rally. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I, knew, I remember it had like a, like a like a drive like a car driving term in it. Right. Yeah. So it's it's Hot Fuzz the Fuzzball Rally. Um, let me see real quick if there's a <laughs> if there's a uh, version of it online. Um, for reference for you guys, uh, no. It does not appear to be online anywhere. So if you want to watch it, um, it'll be it's on the Blu-ray if you have the Blu-ray, uh, and it's on the three-disc DVD set if you have that. Um, I do. Well, there you go. So it's on there. And, it's nestled uh, safely in my childhood bedroom. <laughs> so it's a it's a seventy-one minute documentary. So it's it's like just barely feature length. Uh, and it is, it is just, it just feels like hanging out with Nick, Simon and Edgar, uh, for, for 70 minutes, like watching them promote hot fuzz and going sort of, uh, cause they took it on a, um, a road trip of, uh, of, of theaters around America, um, before the, uh, the actual U S premiere, uh, happened. And so they were just sort of, uh, promoting it around America and that's the documentary and it's, and it's a lot of fun. So. That's what we're going to do. Fuzzball Rally next month as our, as our final hiatus special. Great way to, great way to close it out yeah. and start the show properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and then we'll be back uh, in November with uh, Hot Fuzz Minute One. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.